Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Cecilia Lay and this is Fifth Emission. Like it or not, people have been dropping their masks in public spaces for a while now. There are some good reasons for it. Vaccines have been proven effective in preventing serious illness and deaths, and case counts and hospitalizations have remained at low levels. It's been a different story on public transportation, though. Their mask mandates have remained firmly in place for two years now. That all changed on Monday when a federal judge in Florida, a Trump appointee, struck down federal mask mandates on airplanes and other public transit. Some airline passengers learned about that change mid-flight. We just got an announcement a few minutes ago. Some of you may have seen the press release today that a judge overturned the mask mandate. My company Social media videos showed some passengers cheering and happily waving their masks in the air. But that decision has been met by polarized reactions. Not everyone loves that call. Here in the Bay Area, there's been a ripple effect because of that decision in Florida. Now, public transit mask mandates are a confusing patchwork of conflicting policies. As of late Tuesday afternoon, transit agencies are scrambling to decide whether to enforce masks on trains, buses, and ferries. BART police have decided to no longer enforce mask wearing, but on Muni, passengers will still be required to wear them. All major airports in the Bay Area, SFO, Oakland, and San Jose, have confirmed that travelers won't have to wear masks. That's also the case with travelers in Uber and Lyft and on Amtrak. But Caltrain and East Bay bus transit will still require masks for now. The list goes on. I told you this was a patchwork, right? As we've been told many times before, it all boils down to personal choice. Here to explain how he's thinking about the latest federal mask update is Dr. Bob Wachter, the chair of UCSF's Department of Medicine. He joins me on Fifth Emission to talk about his reaction to those social media videos of people cheering the end of the mandate mid-flight how he measures safety at this point in the pandemic, and whether we should be worried about an upcoming COVID surge here in the Bay Area. Dr. Wachter, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Great to be here. So, Dr. Wachter, we've all seen the social media videos of people applauding the lift of the mask mandate on major airlines. Clearly, some folks are happy. What was your reaction? I was okay with the decision to lift the mandate. I was not okay with it being done by a judge who basically was saying that the CDC or federal authorities don't shouldn't have the power to enact mandates at a time of a public health emergency. I think that's a really dangerous precedent that's going to get us in trouble when it comes to the next variant or the next pandemic or the next who uh, you know who knows what threat we'll see. But in terms of lifting the mandate, I kind of think we're we're getting close to time. I would have preferred waiting a week or two more mm. until we're a little more sure that the current mini surge doesn't come into uh, doesn't turn into something worse. But overall, I think we're getting close to the time where it's a reasonable thing to do. 
Why wait a week or two in your recommendation? Is there something you'd be looking for in those couple of weeks? Yeah, we're definitely seeing an uptick in cases all over the country. We're beginning to see it in, in the Bay Area. We've certainly seen it in the Northeast. And we're getting out to the time where if that was going to lead to an uptick in hospitalizations, we probably would have seen it by now, feel mm-hmm. a little more comfortable a week from now. But we're sort of at that point where you almost might as well go for it. And, uh, you know, I, I, many people don't like the idea of lifting the mandate. I completely get it. I would prefer that everybody wear a mask around me. I'm still going to wear a mask uh, on, on planes and in public transit. But I do think we're reaching a point where, you know, this may be about as good as it gets for the next several years. Mm. And I don't think the tolerance of the public and the flying population is such that it's going to be acceptable to continue to have a mandate on airplanes or all public transit, let's say a year from now, when the threat is relatively low, there are lots of tools that people have to keep themselves safe. So, you know, mandates are important when it's the only tool that you have. Mm-hmm. But I think today there are a lot of ways that people can keep themselves safe. So yeah, a week or two probably wouldn't make that much of a difference. And now it boils down to personal choice. And you created a guide for your Twitter followers. You titled it, Should You Still Wear a Mask on Airplanes? Can you walk me through the calculus that you're suggesting that people should make when they're considering that decision during travel time? Well, yeah, the calculus I made was sort of facetious because when you read it about halfway <laughs> through, you know, you have a splitting headache. Right. And I think you come to recognize that maybe I should just wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be easier than wading through all of this. Uh, you know, part of what I've tried to do through the entire pandemic is say to people, you know, I study this for a living and I have access to some of the best experts in the universe. Here is how I'm synthesizing a huge amount of information and about 20 different variables and making a decision. And not that you have to follow me by any means, but if, if it might be easier if you're going to choose to follow someone who's keeping up with the evidence and is reasonably careful. Uh, this is at least one way to do it. How do I think about it? I really, it truly is about 20 different variables. It's how much COVID is there in the environment. But the problem is in the environment, if I'm flying from San Francisco to Philadelphia, is that San Francisco or Philadelphia or people who are stopping in Philadelphia or San Francisco? It's hard to know. Mm-hmm. It is what's the current state of the variant, how transmissible, how serious is the variant. It is what is my own individual risk, which is based on my age and my comorbidities and um, and also whether I'm vaccinated and whether I'm boosted. If I've gotten some of my, my immunity from an infection, when was that infection? Was it Omicron? Was it Delta? Uh, it's how good is the filtration and the ventilation system on the airplane? It's even if I'm at low risk, do I live with or do I have contact with older people or immunosuppressed people or little little babies? It's my own risk tolerance. Am I someone who likes to hang glide and scuba dive or am I kind of a wimp? And so <laughs> it's, it is all, and it's also how you think about the state of the evidence. Because if you say, uh, you know, I'm just not that worried anymore that I'm going to get super sick and die from COVID, I think that's a reasonable stance. I'm not that worried myself. But I think you then have to go on and say, how worried are you about long COVID? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I now divide long COVID up into two fairly discrete buckets. One is the one we talked about over the last two years, which is what are the chances that three months from now you're still going to feel crummy? Mm-hmm. You're having your short of breath, you have fatigue, you have brain fog. There's that. And that chance is 
the, the literature is kind of all over the place, but I'd put it maybe 10 to 20% if you're not vaccinated and five to 10% if you're vaccinated. Then there's this other new factor, which is really only the last over the last month from new evidence that says that a, a year after a case of COVID, you seem to have an increased risk of heart attacks, of diabetes, of strokes, of blood clots, of brain shrinkage. And, uh, you know, that was from over a year ago. So it wasn't from Omicron. It's possible. It, it will turn out to be less serious than it looks. But I, you know, in, in my own decision making about whether to wear a mask and how careful it'll be, that's probably the main factor, the main reason I don't want to get COVID, not so much that I'm worried about dying, mm-hmm. but that I'm worried about the long-term consequences of COVID. And finally, it's sort of how big a deal is wearing a mask. Right. So, you know, I like eating, eating indoors. It's cold in San Francisco. I like eating indoors with friends. I think it's probably worth taking a risk periodically to have an indoor meal with friends or family. How important is it to me to not wear a mask when I'm sitting on an airplane? Not important at all. I, I, uh, you know, I'd prefer not to if I didn't have to. But if I got COVID from a flight, I'd be kind of pissed at myself. It's mm-hmm. like, did I really need to not wear a mask during the flight? Was that worth the risk? And I think the answer is no. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Your conclusion from your guide was wear an N95 or equivalent. Now we know there's sort of a ripple effect of what airlines are deciding now. BART is no longer enforcing mass mandates. So do you is that your conclusion for transit and other indoor congregate settings as well? You've named the restaurant example. But do we treat different public congregate settings differently? Yeah, I do. I, I think part of my thinking is how much COVID is there in the environment, which really is a proxy for what are the chances the person I'm going to be sitting next to has it. Mm-hmm. They don't have it. I can't get it from them. It doesn't matter whether I'm wearing a mask or not. So that probably is the main factor. The, the, the second is how safe or unsafe is the environment. So planes are a little bit safer than an equivalent subway, let's say, because they have better ventilation and venting. Uh, The third is my own personal vulnerability. Uh, The fourth is sort of how confident am I that everybody around me is acting safely, including has been vaccinated and boosted. Mm -hmm. So what does that lead me to do? It pretty much today, given the amount of COVID around, and again, and you can't really trust the case rates that you're hearing because of home testing. Uh, But, you know, you and I are hearing about friends and family getting it all the time, right? So, So there's a fair amount of COVID around. What that leads me to conclude is on when I'm in indoor, crowded indoor spaces with a lot of people whose vaccine status I don't know, and I don't know for sure that they wouldn't be there if they felt sick, mm-hmm. I'm going to wear a mask. It's, it seems like a fairly low impact thing to do that will keep me safe and by extension keep safe the people that I contact. Do I wear a mask in all indoor spaces in the office now at UCSF when I'm not seeing patients? Uh, we have a little mini negotiation every time we have a meeting. But if there's, if I'm meeting with colleagues who I know are vaccinated, because all of us are at UCSF, uh, if I'm meeting with colleagues in my office, I'll say, "Are you comfortable without a mask?" If they say yes, I am too. Mm-hmm. We don't wear masks there. I do eat dinner and eat meals inside. If uh, in San Francisco, I will get together with friends and family inside. Again, if I'm confident that people are vaccinated, would stay out or get tested if they felt crummy. 
Um, and it's a relatively small number of people. So that's mm-hmm. sort of my rule. Small indoor gatherings with people whose vaccine status you know and you trust, um, I think are reasonable to do without masks. Anything other than that, and that's pretty much all transport. I still believe that I'm going to wear a mask. And if I'm going to wear a mask, might as well wear one that I know works, which right. is N95 or the equivalent. Right. Some of your peers, including your colleague, Dr. Monica Gandhi at UCSF, published an op-ed in The Chronicle that made a case for less masking. They say there's enough high-quality evidence that shows that relying on vaccines rather than masks is a more effective strategy. What's your response to that? I don't see why you would need to make that an or rather than an and. Mm. I, I, I think that vaccination is really, really important. And as a public health strategy in order to sort of keep the, um, you know, all people safe. Yeah. I mean, if we could somehow magically snap our fingers and get everybody vaccinated and boosted, I'd probably be more important than everybody wearing masks. But at the level of individual decision-making, there's absolutely no question that wearing a good mask keeps you safer than not wearing the mask. Mm -hmm. Even if people are vaccinated, there's obviously a fair amount of breakthrough infections. There's a, a, a vaccinated person with a breakthrough infection is capable of spreading it to other people. So, I mean, if a mask was chemotherapy, it would be one thing, but it's a mask. Mm-hmm. I mean, we politicize it enough that it sort of feels like it's something bigger and badder than it really is. We're talking about a mask. It's not a big deal. And I, you know, there's no question that you can be fully vaccinated and boosted and still catch COVID and give it to someone else or still catch COVID and have a bad case or have long COVID or increase your risk of bad things. Seems to me in settings that are risky, why not also wear a mask? Mm -hmm. My last question for you, Dr. Wachter, and you touched on this, is you're keeping an eye out on whether there's another surge in the Bay Area. How worried are you about that? Because anecdotally, it does seem like we're hearing a lot more people getting COVID these days. Yeah, it kind of depends on, you know, what your definition of a surge is. I mean, we're certainly seeing more cases. Um, and any, any number, when you look at the number of cases, we know that that's an underestimate threefold, fourfold, fivefold, who knows? I mean, because mm-hmm. of the home testing. So it, where it's important to look at a, at a, at a, a variety of sources of evidence to give you a sense of how much COVID there is around. We're seeing test positivity rates go up. We're seeing in some of the Bay Area settings, wastewater positivity go up. Uh, the lucky thing is we're not seeing hospitalizations go up very much, a little mm-hmm. bit, but not not too much. So uh, that's comforting. Uh, it probably means that this, the level of the surge that we're going to see is not going to be one that threatens us with overwhelmed hospitals. I think that's good. I don't agree with some folks are saying we should just follow hospitalization rates. As long as hospitals aren't full, it's good. You know, I still don't want to get COVID. So you know, there's a lot of COVID around before our hospital starts filling up. Right. So I really do want to look for other ways of telling what are the chances that somebody in a restaurant, you know, sitting next to me has COVID because that will determine whether I'm comfortable eating indoors or not, whether I feel like the need, I need to wear a mask when I'm indoors uh, or not. So, but it's a little harder to figure those metrics out today because it's so hard to rely on public reported te- uh, case numbers because so many people are, are testing at home. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Wachter, big headlines. Thank you, as always, for sharing your rationale and helping us make sense of everything. I appreciate your time. It's a great pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dr. Wachter. Dr. Bob Wachter is the chair of UCSF's Department of Medicine. You can follow him on Twitter. His handle is at Bob underscore Wachter. That's W-A-C-H-T-E-R. 
For coverage of the federal mask mandate lift on airplanes and public transit, visit sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app. There you'll also find reporting on how Bay Area transit agencies are managing their own mask mandates, as well as ongoing coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening.